You are listening to LEC Online Church, a ministry of Lake Erie Church in Madison, Ohio. We are a multicultural, multi-generational Pentecostal church. For more information, please visit our website at lakeeriechurch.com. Now, we hope you enjoy today's message. For the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at a series that I'm entitling, Where He Meets Us. When I was a little boy, I used to play hide-and-seek with my dad, and uh, I would hide, and he would come and find me immediately, and then it would be his turn to hide, and he would hide, and I could not find him. And after a few minutes, it wasn't many, but after a few minutes, when I couldn't find him, I would cry out to my mother, Daddy's not playing fair, I can't find him. And she would, you know, she would uh, speak out and say, you know, let him find you. And so my dad would stick an elbow out or put his foot out there, you know, and I'd run by and I'd see it and I'd grab a hold of him and I'd say, I found you. Well, the truth of the matter is I did not find my father. He let me find him. He allowed me to find him. And some time ago in the scriptures, I got this idea, this sense as I was reading through the narratives of these stories that, that what really happens to you and I is that God allows us to find Him. He meets us in these places in life when we really need Him. When we find ourselves in places where we don't know how we're going to, to get through, we don't know what we're going to do, we don't know how we're going to manage this crisis and somehow in those moments we wake up and realize he's right there. Maybe we thought he wasn't there. Maybe we even question, where are you? And he lets himself be found. He lets us find him. And I thought about how many different places where God meets you and I. He meets us in courtrooms. He meets us in the waiting areas of surgery centers. He meets us in crisis moments. He meets us in the dark of our bedrooms. He meets us in the shadows of our troubles and difficulties. He meets us in the midst of our fears and anxieties. He meets us in the middle of our addictions. He meets us in the places of our temptation. And in those places, he allows us to find him. And there's something about him being present. You know, I don't have to understand everything in the theology of the Bible. I want to. I love this book and I love studying it. But I don't have to understand everything about it. As long as I know I can find him when I need him. As long as I know when the wheels are coming off of my life, when my life is in shambles and I'm in such a place of difficulty, if I can know that he knows where I am and he finds me, I'm going to be all right. And so I want this week, over the next, this month, over several Sundays, to explore with you the places where God meets us. These intersections, if you please, where God shows up. 
you didn't realize. For example, a little later on, you're going to meet a woman who's on her way to bury her son. It's her only son. And in the tradition of her world, if she loses that son, she has no social status. Can only imagine what's going through her mind as they are marching out of that city. And they run into Jesus. And when that intersection was over, here's the last line of that Luke 7 narrative. It says, and Jesus gave her son back to her. And that's the story of what happens when he meets us. When he shows up in the difficult places of our life, he restores the things that are broken. He puts back together the difficult places of life. So open your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 4 and I'll ask you to stand one more time for the reading of God's word from Mark 4 beginning with verse 35. A very familiar story. Mark 4 verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. One of the stranger sentences in the Bible. The disciples woke him up shouting, 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 teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly, suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he, Jesus, asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. You may be seated. So let's start with this question. How do you handle storms? How do you handle storms? I have a really good friend who is terrified of storms. And when there is a severe storm, tornado warning kind of thing, she gets all of her family up in the night and they all bathe, shower, and dress in case the storm kills all of them, they will look well. And I, I've laughed over the years at her children sitting in the chair, well-dressed, waiting on the storm. Crazy and ridiculous, at least my opinion. When we had the tornado here, the was being usher to a secure room and the storm was violent as you remember and it was windy and things were going and one of the little girls in the family put her hands over her ears and she said 
Has anybody considered praying now? <laughs> Do you handle There are things that learn from. Storms frighten us. When storm, sometimes when the storms be very frightening. Not only are storms frightening, but sometimes they come in storms.
just witnessed a miracle and now in the midst of their storm, they're losing their faith and their hope. It's that's the way we live. We can come in on Sunday and the glory of the Lord is so strong and powerful and amazing things happen, but by Tuesday we wonder if God's alive. Because in the midst of our storm, we forget who's in the boat with us. There's no feeling in all the world quite like feeling alone. And I realize this morning some of you sitting here have that feeling. You feel very alone. The circumstances, difficulties of your life, the problems that you've gone through have left you feeling like nobody cares. Nobody is concerned about what's going on with me. And the devil is so good at this, is he not? Just because somebody did not speak to you today does not mean they don't care. You know, somebody will say, oh, I, th I think Michelle Lewis must be mad at me. Well, how do you know? Because she walked right by me and did not even speak. Well, you don't realize that Michelle just remembered she left her keys somewhere and she can't find them. And she's not thinking about you right now. She's trying to figure out where her keys are. See, But the enemy fills our head with this idea that nobody cares and that we very much are alone. Don't take it for granted and don't pass by the seriousness of loneliness. Because research suggests that loneliness increases our stress. It raises the risk of depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, and sleep problems. That's why some of you probably aren't sleeping. Because you feel alone. You feel separated. You're disconnected. We are made for relationships. We are made for connections with one another. And when we get disconnected, we get out of our element. There's a fierce storm going on. And these men are trying to survive this storm. And they forget that Jesus is in the boat with them. And they feel like nobody cares. And I'm telling you this morning. It's easy to get lost in your struggle. When you're trying to raise a rebellious child. It's easy to feel like that nobody cares when you're trying to keep a bad marriage together. It's easy to lose your way when you're trying to pay bills with not enough money. It's easy to feel like there's nobody out there when you continue to take treatments and there's no positive results coming. Or when you keep looking for a job and you're repeatedly being rejected, it's easy to get lost in the struggle. But I've come here this morning to tell you this. There is a promise from God to you today that tells you that I will never leave you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. And I won't be afraid because what can man do unto me? He said he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Even when it's hard. Even when it's difficult. Even when you don't know what to do. There is a God who knows exactly where you are. And he says I'm never going to leave you. 
You know how Pentecostal preachers are. Jason Adkins is a Pentecostal preacher, Tracy Vest. You know, preachers, when they're preaching, they get excited and they tend to repeat themselves over and over and over. You know, we get excited. We say, he's coming, he's coming. I said, Jesus is coming. Well, that's really good preaching, but I'm going to tell you, it will get you messed up in the drive-thru. Because if you go through that drive-thru and you say, I have a sausage biscuit, a sausage biscuit, I said a sausage biscuit, you're getting three. One day, quoting that verse of scripture, the pastor said, he promised, I will never, never, I will never leave you. One of the members said, well, now for you weak spine preachers, it may take three nevers. But if Jesus said one time, I will never leave you, it means he will never leave you. You're never going to be alone. You're never going to be without Jesus. You're never going to be in a place where he won't find you. You'll never be in a place where he can't get to you because he said, I will never leave you. To the mother that's struggling to raise her children, he's never going to leave you. To the spouse that's trying to hold that marriage together, he's never going to leave you. To the person that can't rub two nickels together, he's never going to leave you. For the guy that thinks he can't get over that addiction, he's never going to leave you. He will always be there. You know how I love old songs. When I was preparing this sermon, I thought about that old song, Jerome. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He's the one who truly cares. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. And you'll know him by the nail scars in his hand. You're always going to know that Jesus is with you and that he is never going to leave you alone. So why do we have such a problem? Same reason these men did. It's our tendency to panic. Now I have to honestly confess to you that through the years in my, developing my relationship with the Lord, I used to think that God worked in a panic. It was like I would pray and I would say to God, God, I got to tell you something. There's something going on here. You're not going to believe this when I tell you. And, you just, and, and it was like God was like, I didn't know that. Let me see what I can do here. I'll see if I can figure it out. But the Bible said that before I called, he answers. He knows where I am. He knows where I'm going. He knows what tomorrow's going to be like. He knows what the next chemo treatment's going to do. He knows what the next scan says. He knows what's about to take place. And he says, you're not going to go through this by yourself. I promise you, I'm going to be with you. I'm never going to leave you. Because we tend to panic. You know, we get a little pain and we go, oh God, I got cancer. I'm pretty sure I got cancer. Or some little situation happens and we think the world is coming apart. But what happens is we forget who God is. 
and we forget how faithful God has been and we forget what God is able to do, which is the second point of this message. Not only did they forget who was in the boat with them, but they forgot to remember how great God really is. Can somebody say amen to that? God is great. Anybody here old enough to remember in the church we used to have testimony meetings? Yeah. You'd say, hey, anybody got a testimony? And somebody would pop up out of their chair and our pew, as the case may be, and they'd start telling about what the Lord has done. My granddad's church back in the 60s and 70s when I was a boy, my granddaddy would have testimonies on Sunday night. And I promise you, some of those people could testify better than my grandfather could preach. And they would get to testifying and the glory of the Lord would begin to fall and people would come out of their seats and receive miracles of healing and deliverance because their faith had been lifted up. Now I know, I, I think I know in some regard why we put away that because some people didn't understand what that was really about and they told us way too much information and it got really boring and bothersome and we just stopped doing it but we lost something there. Let me see if I can explain it to you. You open up and somebody over here on this side stands up and they begin to tell you what God's done. They begin to testify to the goodness of God. Hey church, I just want to tell you, you know, a few weeks ago I raised my hand for a special prayer request. That was because my husband did not have a job and we didn't know how we were going to make it. But we just believed and we banded our hearts together and we trusted in God. And before we came to church, he got a phone call. He's starting to work on Monday. Well, while that person's testifying over there, the Holy Spirit is over here whispering in your ear to say, did you hear what she said? She trusted God and God took care of her and God doesn't love her any more than he loves you. So you can trust God as well and faith is lifted up in those moments when we start rehearsing the greatness of God. I was looking in my Bible the other day. If you go in the Old Testament, you ever noticed the way they prayed in the Old Testament? Their public prayers would go something like this. To the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob who brought our fathers out of the wilderness and out of slavery and brought them into a land that flows with milk and honey. You know what they're doing? They're rehearsing the greatness of God. They're saying, God, I know who you are. I know what you do. I know what you're able to do. And they are remembering how good God has been to them. That's what some of you need. You need just to remember, you didn't get here by yourself. It's been the faithfulness of God. It's been the goodness of God. He's been on your side the whole time and he's still with you today come on somebody praise the Lord with me rehearsing you ought to tell people what God's done for you you may not realize how powerful your words are the Bible said they overcame the devil how by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony I feel the holy presence of God Woo, hallelujah. When you remember the goodness of God, God, you've been good to me. You, I may be going through something right now, but I know you've been good to me. You're a good God. You're a faithful God. You take care of me. I know I can trust you. I know that I'm going to get through this because you are never, never going to leave me.
Remember the greatness of God. What's crazy is that these guys had just watched Jesus take a little boy's lunch and feed 5,000. And if God can do that, what can God do for you? If God can take a little boy's lunch and feed a multitude, what could he do in your house? Because the devil told you it ain't never going to get better than it is right now, but the devil's a liar. And the devil told you your husband's never coming back, the devil's a liar. The devil told you your children are never going to get it right, and the devil's a liar. The devil said you're never going to be able to pay your bills, especially if you give your tithe. The devil is a liar. How good has God been to you? How did you get here this morning? How did you get to this place? You got here because his mercies are new every day. God has been faithful to keep you and supply every need that you've ever had. And when you're in your storm, you have to remember how good God has been to you. Hallelujah to God. Notice what happens. In their panic, they say to Jesus, why aren't you doing something? Because that's what you and I pray. Why aren't you doing something about my addiction? Why aren't you doing something about my problem? Why aren't you doing something about my marriage, my husband, my wife, my kids? Why aren't you doing something about my career? And we forget that God has been working for us our whole life. We forget how good and how great God has been to us. And they say to God, to Jesus, why aren't you doing something? So he gets up and he says, silence. Now, in the New Living Translation that I use, there's a punctuation there that indicates a break of the phrase. I'm not sure that's the way it was, but for right now, let's assume it does. He said, silence. Now, is he saying silence to the elements of nature, or is he saying silence to the screaming panic of his disciples? Sometimes it's God telling you, stop. Stop with your worry. Stop with your complaining. Stop with your fretting. Stop. Remember who God is. Remember what God has done. Silence. Be still. And the Bible said, suddenly the wind stopped. The wind was what was causing the waves. But when the wind stopped, the Bible says this. There was calm. Have you ever had calm? You know what calm is? Calm is what Jesus was doing. Sleeping. In the middle of the storm. Calm is what Peter was doing in Acts 11. On the night before they're going to take off his head. The Bible said he was asleep. 
It's calm when you know God has me. God has me. God's in control. God is big enough. God is great enough. God is awesome. He has me. He's got me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. I can trust in the Lord. I was sitting in a radiology lobby one night in the middle of the night waiting for an x-ray to come back. I was pleading with God. Please, God, please. God, please. God, please. We need a great result. Please, God. Don't let it be what I'm afraid it is. And I'm telling you, you can believe this if you want to, but right there in that room, I heard the voice of the Lord in my spirit that says, I already know the outcome of this exam. And I got you. I got you. And I feel like the Lord, the Holy Spirit is saying to some of you this morning, be calm. Be still. Because I've got it. You think the world's coming apart. No, it's not. We just sang a moment ago that we praise Him because He's sovereign. I'm telling you, God's got everything just like He needs it to be. Man's falling apart. Governments are falling apart. World's falling apart. But God's not falling apart. He's got it in control. And if we believe Him, if we truly believe Him, and I'm very sincere when I say this. I know that's hard. I know when you're in the middle of your storm, it's so hard to truly believe that. It's so hard to truly and sincerely know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God's got it. That he's got the sickness, that he's got the disease, that he's got the struggle, that he's got the marriage, that he's got the kids, that he's got the finance. He's got the stress, the worry, the anxieties, but he does. He's got it. And he invites you to calm. Calm. That God has everything under control. I want to finish in Rome if you'll come. I was done with this message and finished. And a few mornings ago I woke up very early. And I, I said to Shelly, I said, Shelly. I think there's something more here that God's trying to say. And it's this. That when the storm has passed, and storms do pass, it doesn't rain forever, it doesn't storm forever, the wind doesn't blow forever, but when the storm passes, sometimes there's collateral damage that has to be cleaned up. I lived through Hurricane Katrina in 2005 and I can tell you that when it was over, when the storm was gone, the boats and cars were up on the roofs of houses and refrigerators and I was driving the interstate and there were clothes and things up in the trees. There was collateral damage from the storm. The storm was over. But there was some cleanup that had to take place. 
And I just feel like for somebody that I'm preaching to today, you need to be reminded that even when the storm is over in your life, there may be some cleanup. You've been delivered. God has set you free and you've been released. But you may have to clean up some collateral damage. Like the unrelenting pain or suffering that you went through. The emotional pain and suffering. What about the unmet disappointments that come out of that stormy season? What about the unusual, unusable emotions that follow after a storm? The condemnation, the self-doubt that sometimes rides with you. And it has to be cleaned up. It has to be resolved. Not only is he willing today to step out of the shadows and say, peace be still, silence be calm. But he's ready to give you the strength to clean up the mess that's left. There may be some mess that's left over. And you need God's strength to be able to clean it up move on you know I think sometimes as I work with people that I find that sometimes people are delivered but for some reason they've never been set free they're still talking about it they're still defined by the storm they're still defined by the hurt the frustrations, the annoyance of what happened, who said what, what was the... And they've never been able to clean up the mess and walk on. You know, in the aftermath of Katrina, there were people that just came back and looked at it and said, I'm not going back. A lot of people moved out. New Orleans was vacated after Katrina city of over a million people went down to 400,000 just like that people just said listen I don't have the strength or the energy to clean it up and I'm just walking away you may not have that privilege you may not have the opportunity to do that and if you're trying to clean up what was left over from the storm God's strength is what you need today every head bowed every eye closed I feel like the Lord's been trying to help somebody this morning. I hope you know now why I felt so strongly about this moment, this morning and what we were going to do this morning. Because I believe God wants to help somebody in this room. Some, some of you, some of you have been carrying your stuff, your bag of rocks. You've been carrying it for a long time. God says, listen, it's time to lay it down. Time to go on. Some of you are so fearful, so carried away with the sorrows and difficulties and struggles of your life that it's defined who you are now and you don't even know who you are anymore. There is a God who said, I'm never going to leave you. 
no matter how bad it gets, no matter how messed up you are, no matter how much the struggle, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to walk through this with you. I'm going to give you my grace and my strength so you can manage the crisis and the situation in your life. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Now we invite you to visit one of our services soon. For more information, please visit us at lakeeriechurch.com.